You're listening to the Rich State of Mind Show, the podcast made to make you the total package in the entrepreneurial world and give you what we call a rich state of mind. If you are here looking to learn about real estate investing, marketing, elevating your business, and developing your mindset to get to the next level, then you are at the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join our community on richstateofmind.com. Now here's your host, Anthony Ritchie. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 62 where I'm talking to Super Julie Braun. She's the founder and CEO of Super Purposes, a company that takes fear and formality out of the career search. They help people get the job and salary they deserve regardless of their challenges. She works with veterans, mill spouses, stay-at-home parents, immigrants, people with addictions or alcoholism, formerly incarcerated individuals, people who have lost their passion for what they do, and people with disabilities. Her company has helped over 16,000 people with her online courses, How to Get a Job in 12 Weeks. Please uh, check Super Julie out. She likes to be uh, called SJ, actually. And um, I think this was a great episode with some great chemistry. Um, Super Julie has even helped me in my family uh, as well. So she actually is the real deal. I think anybody that is in the transition or looking for a career that they want to do and get paid what they deserve, uh, this is the individual to definitely seek out. Please enjoy and thank you for listening. Hey, Super Julie Braun, I gotta say the whole thing because uh, it's not gonna do you justice if I don't. Uh, thank you for taking the time this evening on this episode of Rich State of Mind. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure thing. So my friends call me SJ. Um, so please call me that. And I own a company. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Super Purposes. And what we do is we help people get the career and salary that they deserve. That's, that's so dope. Actually, I'm glad you I'm glad we're talking about this because <laughs> even before we start recording, I'm like, all right, this is cool. Because, uh, you know, so it's you're laughing and, and I'm I'm really excited because a lot of times I have a lot of conversations with either a lot of people my age or even older or younger, Mm -hmm. where the to them is really hard to get a good paying job. And what's the biggest thing that we always talk about, uh, you know, whether it's entry level or whether it's just kind of getting your foot in the door of some type of career uh, that can propel you to be able to at least sustain a household that's comfortable. Right. And a lot of people don't know how to present themselves, uh, which is fine. Right. Like, you don't this is not something really we get taught in school. You know, hey, absolutely not. I think I remember resume building maybe one time in a class as vaguely as I remember. Right. You know, learn how to write a check in school. Mm -hmm. So. This is awesome that you provide this service. So uh, let's let's dive deep into, all right, what you do. So I'm saying, hey, Super Julie, you know, I'm Anthony. I'm looking for Mm -hmm. a job. These are the skills that I have. I'm able to file. I can, you know, do Excel spreadsheet. And I'm I'm willing to work 40 hours a week. And my background is four years. Let's say I did four years in service. Okay. So I love where you're taking me right now. Because where I'm going to take you is totally different than what you're going to expect. Okay. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about dreaming. Okay. Let's, let's, let's see where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think what happens is when people go to college, like everyone buys into what the American dream is. So I'm going to go to a good school. I'm probably going to put out a lot of money for my education. 
Um, I'm, I want a big house. I want a family. I want kids. I want cars. I want all the trappings of what the American dream is. Yes. And the reality is COVID kind of woke everybody up because it put everybody back at home and everyone started to change kind of maybe understanding like, my gosh, I never see my children. So maybe working 40 or 60 or 80 hour a week is not the best way to live. And then other people were having the thought of, you know, I really love taking a nap every afternoon and then having dinner with my family and then going back to work at night. And so COVID did to all of our careers, most of our careers, what was going to happen anyway, but it kind of sped it up. Yes. And so when I meet people and they give me kind of, here's what I do and here's, you know, here's where I've been and here's what I've done. I want to take them to the place of, but what do you dream about? And that might be totally different than what you're currently doing today. So today you might be uh, working in accounting or payroll or, uh, you know, as, as you had put it earlier, the paper pusher. Mm-hmm. Um, but that may not be your heart's desire. You might be really good at it. You might even enjoy it. You might have a sense of satisfaction. Um, and you might say, no, actually, I'm pretty much in love with, I, with what I do. And I'm going to go awesome because we need people like you. And then we will move into the next phase of really packaging you for all the jobs and opportunities that are out in the world. But if you come back and you say, you know, I'm not really in love with being an accountant. I don't really want to do payroll anymore. And if I never saw another spreadsheet, it would be okay with me. And that's where we go into discovery of what it is that makes your heart sing. Because our lives are no longer in this mode of you have one job for the rest of your life and that's it. We are now in this mode of we will have five, 10, or even 15 careers. Now, doesn't that sound like an adventure? It does. So my first question is, especially, you know, I'm thinking from a perspective of a family person, let's say even a family man where I need to put food on my table. Where is the stability in that? Well, the stability will be in how you adjust your lifestyle. Okay. So let me give you an example. I'm going to use myself as an example. So seven years ago, almost, well, eight years ago, I got sober. So I used to be Um, an alcoholic who was drinking a lot. And when I started getting sober, I had an awakening. And my awakening was that I've fallen into all the trappings of what most people do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a reason why people love stuff. It can give you happiness. It can give you a sense of satisfaction. But for me, what I discovered is that I wasn't happy with the stuff. So I have spent the last eight years really becoming a minimalist. I changed my life completely, my lifestyle, everything that I own fits in a suitcase. 
everything I own. I only have one pair of shoes. And everything around me, people will always say, well, gosh, I always see you in a nice house. I take care of other people's homes. So I don't have uh, any type of rent that I have to pay or mortgage. I'm basically living for free. The only thing I have to pay for is my phone. That's the only thing. Well, and then I also have to have buy food. So that's another thing. That I <laughs> yeah, food and the phone. But that's it. And so depending upon where you are in this kind of thinking about your reimagining your lifestyle, um, you may be thinking, well, I, I don't want to change my life that much. So even still, you can look at your career in a way that is much more satisfying. You can, you have a, a, a fantastic wife who is also working. So you've got that dual income and you can kind of adjust your lifestyle a little bit to figure out what do I really want to do? Where do I want to be? What will put a smile on my face? You know, the worst thing to do is to get up every day and to kind of drag your knuckles on the way to work. (laughs) Yeah. To be like, oh my gosh, I've got 10 hours I've got a a 45 minute commute. I'm going into an office to work with people that I don't know if they're sick or healthy. I'm in that stinking office all day long. I'm eating food that I know that's not good for me. I'm sitting at a desk all day. And then I turn around, I go home, I'm back in the 45 minute commute and I get to see my, my kids for 10 minutes before they go to bed. Yeah, that is the, yeah, you're right. That is. And people are having uh, that awakening. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing is there's definitely a recipe on, on how to get a job that you love and also that you're making the salary that you deserve. And the next thing is, you know, you mentioned that we didn't learn in school much more than maybe one resume class. Well, resumes are going away. So resumes are like, um, I don't know, newspapers, Okay, (laughs) they're going away. And everyone is using platforms like LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one that I always recommend to everybody to always build your LinkedIn profile because that's where every hiring manager and every recruiter, that's where they're looking for you. And that's your billboard. That's your billboard. So when they're driving by and they're looking up in the sky, They're like, oh, we're looking for Anthony. We're looking for that guy right there. Okay, that's his information. I'm going to connect with him. Okay. And so let's say I use LinkedIn. Yeah. How can I best uh, pretty much promote myself? What What is the best way I could promote myself on LinkedIn? based off of maybe some of the tools that I have, because I, I noticed that some people, and, and this is what I think would consider you kind of like that bridge between what I have and mm-hmm. what I need, where I need to be. Yes. And so how do you best extract that out of people? Like, Hey, well, all I did was like, say, all I did was paper push. Okay. Well, let's take that. How do you take that? And then now make it to where you, you advertise it in a way to make it very appealing. You know what, Anthony, you just gave me a chill. Every hair on my body right now standing on end because I already know something about you 
And that is you should not be a paper pusher. You should be doing podcasts full time because you are an excellent interviewer. You ask the question that everybody else is wondering. The answer to your question, though, is you need to package yourself on LinkedIn like it is your career novel. Just think about that for a second. So you're writing a book and you're like, hey, everybody, here's my book. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm all about. Here's, uh, you know, how I see myself. And the better the title you have, that headline. So there's three really amazing components about LinkedIn that will catch people right away. The first thing is you. It's your picture. So if you have a really good headshot where you're showing a little bit of your shoulders, you got your head in there and you have a smile on your face, people will be, oh my gosh, I want to be his friend, right? That's what you want to elicit from that photo. Okay. Like, oh, I want to know her. She looks really cool. Or, oh my gosh, she's got those quirky glasses. I don't know why, but I think she's going to be creative. You want people to start thinking about you. And if you have your headset on and you're packaging yourself, as a world-class podcaster, people are going to get it right away. If you have your headset on, you have a microphone right in front of you and that's your headshot. And then behind you, you have an opportunity and you never want to use the default on LinkedIn, which is just kind of a gray background, but you want to have a background that tells the story of your career. And if it is doing podcasts, if it is doing video, You want to kind of show like, yeah, you're the guy in the studio who's got all that going on. And that's kind of that backdrop behind you. The third thing is a magical headline. And I'm going to give you the ingredients for a magical headline. The first one is, what do you do? So even if I were just to write down right now, Anthony, I could write your headline in five minutes. You ready? First of all, too, thanks for the compliment <laughs> earlier, by the way. So thank you. But go ahead with your headline. <laughs> well, okay. So what do you do? So the question is, what do you do? And if what you do is podcasts, okay. So I do podcasts. All right. I'm just going to write down that word podcasts. Um, and you also do video, right? So you do co- yes. a video casts. I don't know if you would call it that, but whatever you call it, we'll come up with something magical. The next question is, how do you do it uniquely? What makes you really special and different? Now, most people go to what's popular. I actually tell people, don't go there. Go to the dark, kind of weird corner about you. If you have something that's kind of weird and kind of oddball, That could be your wonderful, unique, special thing that other people will gravitate towards. Um, I was working with a young woman yesterday and she said, I'm just a big nerd, but I don't want anyone to know that. And I said, that's going to be your new title, chief marketing nerd. I like it. Me too. Because it kind of takes all of the formality and all of the 
uh, pomp and circumstance out of it. Mm -hmm. So think about the unique thing about you. And is anything coming to mind when you think about podcasts? Because you made me feel very comfortable right away. I would say I asked the right questions. Oh, inquisitive. Inquisitive. Asking the right questions. That is great. Asking the right questions. Fantastic. I'm writing this down. And then also a chemistry builder. Ooh, chemistry builder. Oh, that's good too. You are good with copywriting. Chemistry builder. Okay. So now we have the first two things. We've got podcaster, video cast. We've got uh, inquisitive, asking the right question, chemistry builder. All of this is going to make a magical headline. I can already see it, the beginnings of it. The third thing that you need to know is who do you serve? Who do you serve? I would say the working class. Working class. Working class. Awesome. This makes you extraordinary, super unique. Now, when you put all this together, that will become your magical headline. So it could be something like, um, inquisitive podcaster asking the right questions to build chemistry with the working class. Uh, for those that can't see, cause through the podcast and not YouTube, I'm cheesing right now because that <laughs> sounded awesome. And that was within, uh, five minutes. So I guess five minutes. Yeah. And that can be the start. Now, maybe it's not perfect and maybe it's a little too long and all that's okay. But we got the basic format of a headline of your billboard. Remember, I'm driving by Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'm looking for an inquisitive podcaster. And there you are. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Okay, he's got the microphone. He's got the setting. He's got the right title. I've got to call this guy. And that's the beginning. And that's just the top part. And LinkedIn is quite extensive. So there's a lot of other things that need to be done. But that is going to be the place where people are going to find you. Um, It will be the the place when people are interviewing you, they will pull your LinkedIn up on their page when they're taught when they're interviewing you, because they want to see like, is what he said, true? Uh, Is it matching what he's saying in my experience? And it will be the place that you will also carry cachet and credibility because you have to hit 500 connections. That's the baseline. So LinkedIn is a um, search engine. Yes. Just like Google. So if I'm looking for a podcaster, and you don't have 500 connections yet, no one's going to find you. But when you hit 500, you get you start getting into their algorithms and you will start bubbling up higher and higher and higher and higher. It is a bit of a popularity contest. So you wanna get those 500 connections and then build on top of that, all the relationships that you really want. So I'm not sure how LinkedIn usually works is connections kind of like follows or adding people as friends. Yeah. So it's a lot like a friend. So basically you have connections 
And let's say, say that you and I connect on LinkedIn and we make a first connection. So by the way, I'm going to connect with you if I haven't yet. Um, I have 20,000 connections on LinkedIn. Okay. When you and I connect, now all of my 20,000 connections become your second connections. So you're one step away from making them all of your first connections. Okay. And then a third connection is just a stranger. Got it. Okay. So I'm actually, I have to, I'm gonna have to check it out myself because I've been told multiple times, like, Hey, you know, when it comes to business, uh, especially like the, with the real estate investing um, that we 100%. do on the side, like I was told, like, that's how a lot of people find each other uh, is through there. So, all right. Uh, you definitely have my interest peaked on this, how this works. And I will have to get that verbiage that you wrote down okay. uh, earlier. <laughs> I will send it to you. Okay. And so I want to, I want to ask this. And so maybe this might help maybe the older, uh, older crowd. So we, you talked about how t- today's job and marketing for yourself is different. Like job finding and marketing is different. Uh, what is something else outside of, you know, now use something like LinkedIn, which is now, you know, social media, and then we don't use resumes. What is something else that somebody has to change or adapt in order to, to uh, be marketable? Is it, uh, are we looking for more flexibility now? Is, would, would that be something? Well, I think if you are an employer, you absolutely want to add a whole lot of benefits to keep people. Because okay. right now we are going through what's called the great resignation. <laughs> More people are quitting their jobs now than ever before. I think Mm -hmm. the last time I looked, 5 million people had quit their jobs. In a span of what? This last year since COVID? Just just a few months. I think it was in April. I saw 4 million people had quit their jobs. Uh, By May or June, 5 million had quit. So these numbers are going to keep ratcheting up. Um, And the reason is because of COVID. COVID has just really changed so much of our lives. Um, So, but, but talking to people who are older, so I think of myself as being middle-aged, I'm 58. And when I think if I were to go out and get a job today, what would be some of the key things that I would want to know? Well, first of all, I'm going to network like crazy Okay. because networking is never going to leave us because it's all about building relationships. And if we have a hundred, let's just say we have a piece of pie, a big pie and 80% of that pie, all of the jobs that are available in the United States, 80% of them are through personal relationships and promotions, internal promotions. 80%. 80%. I want to speak on that a little bit. So yeah. in, the, in the military, and this is not even exclusive to the military. As I got older, I realized that this is pretty much how it works when you're trying to go up a chain of command or hierarchy or you know promotion status. So a lot of times people will complain and say, you know, they only pick the people that they like, or they only pick the, that person because they're always in their face. Uh, right. And I had a um, a mentor of mine that said that, you know what, um, I, people tend to like you when you do your job. People tend to like you when you build relationship. 
Why would I want you to take my place or to uh, get a job that has high responsibility if I don't know you? So if I know you and I know you could do a good job, then yes, I'm more likely to select you versus the individual that is a stranger and they expect me to just make a decision off of maybe a package that's in my face. But I don't know their personality. I don't know their mannerisms. I don't know their leadership style. And so the person that took the time to talk to me, the person mm -hmm. that took the time to get to know me and my community, my job and what it entails, I'm, yes, I am going to be leaning more towards picking them. Uh, 100%. You want to be with people who you know, you trust, you value them. I got a phone call from a friend last night. She started a new business. Um, first year in this new business, by the way, she's going to make $10 million this year. Wow killer business. You're probably wondering what it is. It's turf. <laughs> like it's grass turf. turf. Yeah. Because she lives in Las Vegas and any place that there is drought, which we know with global warming and with environmental changes, we are going to experience more and more radical changes um, in our environment. And so um, she sells turf. In the desert. That's great. In the desert. She started the business. Well, she's already opened up five offices in five states. <clears throat> Excuse me, in five states. And she's getting ready to open one in every uh, state in the, in the United States. And she, this, this woman's going to take over the world. I can just see it with turf. Um, but the point is that when she called me, you know, I know her really well. And she said, oh my gosh, I've been looking, you know, for a long time to be able to work with you again. And I can't wait, but here's my idea. And I'm like, oh, ka-ching and awesome. And I love her. And so that makes a lot of sense. So you had a great mentor who told you that. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely believe in uh, blessings. And then sometimes I think people are more willing to talk to you if you're open to, you know, change and to adapt. And I think when, you know, obviously when that happens, you know, you receive it and you can be offended by it, or you can say, all right, maybe I need to make that adjustment and move forward. Uh, I think you, you talked about, so real quick, I want to talk about this, uh, this lady with the turf, right? Yeah. There's something special about that. It is a very unlikely niche that people do not talk about, right? Selling grass. Right. right. But she identified a market that was mm -hmm. obviously in the need because I could mm -hmm. start in New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, California, right? It's like, those, I think that was there. Yeah, those five states right there. So identifying a market that has a problem and yes. you solving that problem mm -hmm. and then you move it forward. And maybe turf may not be that individual's passion, but you started something. Now you can, let's say, let's say you sell the company or portion of it and do something that you actually love. And yeah. so uh, that's something that I think was awesome that she identified in that market. I think that's so cool. I actually think she does love turf because I think, well, she's a natural salesperson. Mm -hmm. So I could just give her anything and she would be like, Oh good. I get to sell it. You know, she just like lights up. We look for people like that in our lives because most people don't like sales, but I know sales is all about developing relationships. And she is one of the best relationship developers I've ever met. But I think whatever she gloms onto, she always sees it as being the thing that helps others. 
And she is helping the planet because we got to do something about our lack of water. We have Mm -hmm. to stop watering every golf course in America. Probably all the golf people right now want to kill me. I'll bet. (laughs) Um, You know, we need to stop looking at this ornamental oh, I'm going to have a nice big patch of grass out front and spend all this time and energy watering it when very soon we might be worried about how we get water into our pipes and how we flush our toilets and how we get drinking water. And, you know, we already have cities across America that don't have drinking water. I mean, it's a legitimate, serious problem. Yeah, I know. Yeah, especially in California, it was... uh... I never was in a situation where I was not going to have water, but it was always an issue of like, we have not had rain in like a year. Well, I look at Flint, Michigan. I have somebody that is on the my first team. place I thought of actually. Yeah. I have the, someone uh, on my team from Flint and she has told me more than one on one occasion, the stories about the horror stories about her town and the lack of water. So anyway, we, we kind of digressed <laughs> a little bit, but I like where we go. I really enjoy you, Anthony. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this uh, this interview, and it's actually more like a conversation more than an interview, uh, because this is a con- this is a topic that I really wanted to discuss with somebody that is a very optimistic and positive as you. I think it's perfect because Thank I you. think a lot of times, like I talked about before we started recording, it's a lot of um, negativity with finding a job that will best fit the individual, and at the same time a salary that will accommodate them and their family. Cause most, the most of the people that I think about are the ones that already have a family because they're, they're the crunch. Those are the guys that are in, or, or girls that are in crunch time. Right. I need to find a job. But like you said, there was a mad exodus when it came to uh, this past year. So what is a job that fits the needs of my family? Because now mental health time with my, uh, my kids is a priority. I think we realized uh, how much our kids needed us when they were home all the time and then we were actually sitting down having conversations with them and we're like, what the, okay, I need to spend more time with you and I need to talk to you more. And maybe I need to find a job that kind of works around uh, what we, what I need, which, what my priority is, which is, you know, you or my, or uh, my spouse as well. Uh, Spending more time with, uh, with my spouse as well. Or I would say this too. I think roles were identified on what needs to get done within the household as well. Yes. One thing that you brought up that I think we should share with, with everyone who's listening, you mentioned interview and how this interview feels just like a conversation. That is the number one thing that I teach people. I teach people how to never have another interview again. Don't ever walk into another interview and sit there And wait for the question before you answer it and then continue to wait. And then the interviewer asks another question and you answer that. And then the interviewer asks another question and you answer that. And you can kind of feel that the interviewer becomes superior in this situation, in this power dynamic where they don't see you as an equal because you're not having a dialogue or conversation. And so a lot of people will say to me, but, you know, I don't know, like, what questions should I ask? And I always tell them to practice throwback questions. So here's what a throwback question sounds like. Um, Why don't you ask me what my greatest strength is? Okay. 
what is your greatest strength? Super. Genius. I know it's a hard one to say, isn't it? Every time I say it, it is a tongue twist a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, I think one of my greatest strengths is I think I'm inspirational as a leader, which is different from being motivational, but I think I'm really good at telling people the story of why, and that's why um, people get involved and inspired and want to be part of something. But now here's what I'm wondering. What is the greatest strength you're looking for, for this position? Hmm. And that was my throwback question. My throwback question is taking the essence of what you've just asked me. And now I'm throwing, I just answered the question and now I'm throwing it back to you. And I'm saying, well, what are you looking for? What's the greatest strength you're looking for? And now you're going to tell me and you're going to say, oh my gosh, well, we are looking for an, an inspirational leader. But even more important than that, we're looking for someone who is super organized. Maybe that's what you tell me. And then I'm going to say, oh, well, aren't you lucky? Because that's my second greatest strength. I like that. I, you know, <laughs> it reminds me of a book I read called The One Minute Manager, where um, I don't remember that it was two authors, but it, it kind of it talked about what you're what you're discussing about you know being an inspirational I think leader it was jack welsh i want you made me want to go get up and grab the book i know but, uh, <laughs> i kind of want to google it but we won't do that we won't take people off task right now but uh we yeah, with with that book it discussed about adapting to the adapting to the times as far as what is required or what's needed in today's time as a manager and then how to best i'm not gonna say be a chameleon but how to best serve your people higher and lower than you. Yeah. And so I like how you just reminded me of that as far as how that interview process was going. And, and that person that is the interviewer no longer is feeling like they're, you know, condescending down. They almost feel like they're talking to a peer that's going to automatically adapt to the environment and then flourish. Oh my goodness. You are such a smarty, smart pants. <laughs> yes. That is exactly what happens because in an interview, you want to be on equal ground with that person and you want them to start thinking, Hmm, I wonder if SJ likes to go out for coffee because I do. And it would be kind of fun. Like one morning, if we met for coffee before we go into work and maybe we could have a pre-meeting or whatever that is, you want that person to see you as a colleague. And when that happens, you're going to stand out from all of your other competition because everybody else is playing the old fashioned. Oh, I'm just going to wait for the next question. It is demeaning. It feels like an interrogation. And if I could wipe the word interview off the face of the earth, I would. It's, it's very intimidating, actually. It's the worst. We have to get back to being really human. And we have to be able to see each other in that we're all a lot more similar than we are different. And when that happens, I think magical things happen to us in our relationships, in our work environment, in friendships, 
I mean, I love that you spoke about spending more time with your children and seeing like, oh my goodness, I think my kids need me a little bit more. I think that I need to give them more guidance. I feel the same way about my teammates. When I spend a little time with them, I'm kind of like, ooh, I got to train them on that. You know, I need, and I, they actually probably think the same thing for me. They probably think, oh, we got to teach SJ that that's not the right lingo to use right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, this has been, this has been awesome. So I wanted to discuss uh, because I saw that you, you, um, I saw your video before we got an interview and it's also one of your talking points as far as the challenges of veterans and military spouses mm. uh, with them finding a job. So yeah. that's kind of near and dear to me, uh, you know, that I'm in the military and I know a lot of people that are veterans. I actually, so part of my paper pushing job is to help people separate out of the Navy. So I put their paperwork together, make sure they get the right benefits and the right amount of money before they get out. And always the biggest question uh, if I have a relationship with them um, or if they're welcoming, because some people obviously don't get out the Navy in good terms. Mm -hmm. But I usually ask, hey, you know, what's your plan? Uh, what do you plan to do when you get out? And the military has so many different programs to help people <laughs> transition. But some people abruptly get kicked out. We call that an administrative separation where pretty much they get kicked out in like 10 days. And but I still people make mistakes. Right. So I still care. Like, hey, what do you plan to do? You you had a career where you learned some skills. You, you did learn some things while you were in the service. Uh, so, um, yeah, please, if you could tell me specifically, how do you help uh, veterans and military spouses? Well, we have we have an online course for military spouses, um, which is called military mill spouses, how to get a job in 12 weeks. And we really kind of take and package their skills in a virtual way so that they can work from anywhere so that they're not having that permanent change of station always being a problem. Um, we know military people move around a lot and there's a discrimination piece in that people don't want to hire people in the military um, or they're married to military folks. We, we see it all the time. Um, and it's because of that permanent change of station. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to train you. And you're going to move in 18 months because your spouse, uh, you know, gets, gets changed uh, to, you know, across the country. Um, so the virtual piece working remotely is a big component. And again, COVID changed our, uh, all of our environments, unless you are in the service industry or uh, something that you have to physically be in the space. There are a whole lot of jobs that are available where you can work from home. So if you go to an office where you are on a computer all day, you can work remotely, not a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have to kind of think about for folks, military spouses in particular, I can speak a lot to because we have that online program. We really kind of get them thinking about what can you do from a remote location? Now, for veterans, they have a different challenge. Um, one of the things that I highly recommend, and I work with a lot of veterans, in fact, on my team, probably have, I don't know, today probably have four 
people that I'm aware of out of, no, make that five, five people out of a hundred who were on my team. So 5%. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those folks, I always tell them get an internship first. The very first thing that you should do when you come out of the military, number one, get an internship, whether it's paid or unpaid, even if it's for 10 hours a week, because you want to get back into civilian life. You want to get back into civilian business, I guess. That's really how I'm trying to say this. And it's different. There's different nuances because you're not necessarily being told what to do all the time. Now you're having to use critical thinking skills. You need to uh, use diplomatic skills. There's communication skills that maybe you weren't really asked to use when you were in the military. So it's a different skill set. So I want people to get into internships and I want them to do what their passion is. I want them to start getting experience in that. And then we go and we package them again on their LinkedIn. We take that internship. We give them a really great title. So whenever I say to somebody, go get an internship, I, I ask them, please get an amazing title. The title can be a content creator. And if the company says, well, you're an intern, we want you to be content creator intern. That's fine. But the day that you leave the company, you drop the word intern. Get rid of the word intern. Because as Americans, we do not respect interns the way we should. And I'm an advocate for interns and I love interns. And I even consider myself an intern because very often I'm working for free. Um, I don't take a salary. I pay people first before I pay myself. And I'm, I'm always thinking, you know, to get the experience, to get the skill and to, to have that on your LinkedIn will be the thing that will get you the next job. I'm glad you brought up about the internship. So I, I'm not sure what other branches I would, I would hope, and I would, I would, I would hope, yeah, that this is the case. But with the Navy, we do have an internship program where the last six months of your contract, we allow you to uh, do six months of internship. Uh, it could be paid or unpaid, but yeah, that's how a lot of uh, people in the military transition um, out so that, you know, obviously, you know, we want you to be working as soon as you get out. So hopefully, you know, if you're in the Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, uh, please look into something similar to that. We call it Skill Bridge in the Navy. It's a great program. I've had plenty of sailors that did their four years and got out, even their eight years and got out. And that was what they did their last six months. So it is one of the smartest things that you can do because the challenge is always going to be how do I take what I did in a totally different environment and actually apply it to a new environment, a new structure, a new way of being? There's a huge learning curve there. Um, and I will just go back. I always go back to my sobriety for some reason. Um, I guess I have to remind myself, you know, that something that I still grapple with. It's a success story. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think of my life before I became sober and my life after sobriety. And there was a huge transition. In fact, really for the first year that I was in all my AA 
meetings, I was always the lady in the back of the room. I bring my box of tissue with me and I would just cry. I couldn't even get words out. If you can imagine, I was speechless. I'm not a speechless kind of person. But for some reason, this change of environment and structure and just everything, like it shook every part of my being. It was such a change. And I think that when people leave the military, it's the same exact kind of situation. And we are not great at really saying, um, well, first of all, appreciating people in that situation. We're not great about, about honoring them. And I want everyone, it doesn't matter their age, their color, their gender, their sexual preference. I don't care. Whatever it is, they're learning disabilities. I have a learning disability. Their alcoholism or addictions or, oh my gosh, I just got out of prison. Like, I don't care what it is. We all need each other. And we will become a stronger and more viable workforce when we recognize that we have to see the human in each, in each other and that we have to find value and honor one another for where we are. Uh, it's beautiful. And I want people to, when they listen to this episode, uh, I want people to take in the glass half full versus glass half empty approach. And then also throw away what you thought you knew, what it took to find a, probably a sense of fulfillment in what you do. I think we grew up with um, subconscious, uh, subconscious mindset. Uh, where we conditioning a conditioned subconscious mindset where we were taught by our parents, uh, either the military or uh, college, right? Right. All right. It's if you don't get those two things, then you know what are you doing in life? And now I think thanks to we'll say the last, we'll say since YouTube became a thing, right? Yeah. Since YouTube became a thing, and now because of COVID, I think now. We are redefining what fulfillment or we're, we're, we're emphasizing now on what fulfillment is. And we are redefining with a what is considered a job <laughs> because working remotely was probably not a was not a thing 15 years ago. Um, if you were, you probably were doing like uh, working for a call center. I've been working remotely for 20 years, so I know that I'm very early to certain things. I adopt ideas very early, and then I'm really late to other things. But yeah, I think you totally nailed it. You totally nailed it. And now because of COVID, COVID was, has such a silver lining. If we can look at that with gratitude to know that it's helped us. And it's in a way catapulting us into orbit very, very quickly. We were going to end up there anyway, but it was going to take us a few more decades. And right now we're in a lot of pain though. We're in a lot of pain because of civil unrest. We're in a lot of pain because some people are hurting from not really having their careers figured out. Maybe some people right now are saying, oh my gosh, I can't even feed my kids. What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. But they're, if you go to if you go to Google and you type in how to make $100 today, you're going to find oh, a yeah. lot of websites that will tell you how to make 100 bucks today. Yeah, sell your plasma. That's the first way to get 50 I mean, dollars. I don't and know about you, Anthony, but I've done it before. No, I have I've no, done 
never, but I've seen that in multiple like top 10 ways to make, you know, quick cash. You know? Yeah. And sometimes we just have to do whatever we have to do. And I like having a hundred dollars on me because it takes the stench of desperation away. Mm-hmm. And I think when, and I don't need a lot, I don't need a lot of money. I'm pretty much taken care of and I'm all good, but I know that there are people that are just hurting. And so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Our workforce, I know this, everything has changed. And if you hate the job that you're doing, now's the time for you, because we are going into an employee revolution where every employer is like, oh my gosh, people are leaving by droves. Um, They are, you know, now we've got the power for the people. Mm -hmm. There will be job openings like crazy. So you're going to be able to go in and get jobs that you couldn't get five years ago. Microsoft is just losing tons of people every day. I have tons of friends, lots of friends who work for Microsoft, uh, Amazon, um, Google, Facebook, all of my friends, because I I usually live in Seattle, Washington. Uh, It's a tech capital. And all my friends have told me, I'm not going back to the stinking office. I'm going to quit if they make me go back to the office. So everybody's got to wake up and start developing hybrid models where you have people come into the office, maybe one day a week mm-hmm. or a couple of days. It can be up to you and you work from home the other days, or you get to work mornings and go home early afternoons. Like employers are starting to grapple with that. They can't get away with the treatment of people like they used to. Yes. And in this revolution, the time is now. And it's on the employee side. So everyone who's listening, you're the one with the power right now. And probably for the next 10 years. Uh, yeah, maybe you know longer. what? I, I am. Yeah, I was about to say maybe longer. And I am very yeah. curious on what the next 10 years will be like. What, what, what will it shape into? What will the job market be like? Uh, will jobs be, you know, throwing bonuses out? you know, to just totally just come to the job. Like, please, can you please work in office at least three days? A hundred percent. I'll give you a $10,000 bonus. If you start today, everyone should be negotiating for bonuses right now. So in your job. So here's what we do at super purposes. We give people the recipe of how to bake an amazing cupcake. Cause that's what a career is to me. Okay. It has ingredients. If you put them out of order, you're going to have a terrible tasting cupcake. But if you do things in the right order, the right timing and the right understanding, you will get the job that you deserve in a place that will honor you working with the people who love you, making the kind of money that you deserve. You can have all of that. That's an amazing cupcake. Negotiating is a piece of the cupcake that people, people will spend hours learning about how to interview and they will spend zero time on how to negotiate. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm sure you see it because you work a lot in real estate, right? Negotiating is everything with me at least. Yeah. I mean, it is such an important thing. And unfortunately, Ooh, all my gender non-conforming friends are really going to hate me right now when I say this, but I'm just going to say my own bias. Women 
are not very good negotiators in general from what I've seen. Now, uh, why, why is that? Why, why would you say? Well, I, I think because women are not encouraged to really um, ask for what they deserve. I think that we've seen that in the past. And now women are becoming more awakened and becoming more within themselves and having the courage and ability. But it is a place that I spend a lot of time with women on the negotiating step because it is uncomfortable for them to ask the questions. So we practice a lot. And every single person, whatever job offer you get, here's how you do it. I'm going to tell you the one sentence I always ask. So if somebody says, okay, SJ, you know, we really like you. We want to offer you the job. We're going to pay you. I don't know. I'm going to say $10,000 because I like that number today. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to pay you 10 grand a year. You're going to get all these benefits and you know, this and that and that. And we want you to start in two weeks. How does that sound? And I'm going to say, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much. Right. So I'm demonstrating my gratitude Mm -hmm. and I'm going to repeat back everything they said. And I'm going to say, did I get that right? And they'll say yes. And then I'll say, I just have one question. Is that the best you can do? And what is the usual response? And the usual response will range everything from, well, we do have another $10,000 we can give you. That could be one response. Another response might be, well, we gave you a lot of stuff. What more do you want? And another response could be, that's our last and final offer. So right there, there's three different negotiators we just met. The first one's very accommodating. The first one, whatever they give me, I'm going to ask them for more. I always ask accommodating people, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, thank you for the additional 10 grand. Now I'm wondering, what about vacation? You said two weeks. I'm wondering, can I actually maybe get three? Keep asking. And then the person kind of in the middle, well, what more do you want? Well, I'm really glad you asked because I brought my list of things. (laughs) (laughs) So I brought some things. I have some ideas of additional things I'd love. Here's what would really, really be meaningful for me. Negotiating in a way is a lot like when you first get, get uh, engaged. Okay. How? Well, women are very fast to say that, to say yes. Okay. And I would, again, here I go. My gender, my, oh my gosh, my gender friends are going to slaughter me. I'm going to use this traditional thinking though, because I think a lot of people are familiar with it. So a lot of my girlfriends, when they get engaged, they always say yes. You know, they say yes, if they, you know, love the guy and they're fast to yes. And I always tell them, oh, no, 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 no. You should be slow to yes. Okay. Because you need to negotiate the marriage first before you say yes. And negotiating the marriage first is to say, to say, oh, Anthony, Anthony, I know you're already married. You're already taken. So I'm not hitting (laughs) on you, Anthony. Got it. But Anthony, oh, Anthony, I really do love you. 
and I can see us having a life together. But before we do that, you know what I want to do? And here's where I start telling you. Prenup. Oh, it's all (laughs) the negotiating. It's things like, I want to make sure that every year you and I take one week vacation together. No kids, no dog, no cat, no parents, no friends, no nothing. It's me and you. We go somewhere private and quiet and we reconnect as a couple. I can dig it. And then I can go into my whole thing of the things that I want for our future. And if you love me in that moment, and I would guess you would because you're proposing, this is the time for us to negotiate our marriage. And when we get together, we're going to have so much of a stronger commitment and understanding and know that we're both like on the same page than you just giving me a ring and me saying yes. Understandable. And, and that is the difference. So that is also the difference between that interview and then versus yes. having a question, uh, not a question, but a discussion or a conversation, because throughout that conversation, we could build a relationship and have a better understanding on, okay, now I know what I get myself into as the interviewer or the, <laughs> the person has the job already and the <laughs> person that's trying to get the job. Now I know what I'm getting myself into. And it is a, it is a marriage and you're dating right there on the table. That's your speed date. I guess you could say. I am telling you, you nailed it. That is it. Uh, there's so much correlation between career and marriage. I use that analogy a lot because I think people understand just the relationship piece of it. And even though I'm single, I've never been married, but I always talk about married people. <laughs> That's just one of my secrets. Okay, it's out there now. <laughs> For those that didn't, uh, you know that may be interested, uh, Super J or SJ is uh, is single. Very uh, I have, single. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, For, somebody can, throw me a bone over here, okay? So it's, it's funny that I'm asking. This, I'm about to ask this question after we're talking about how single you yeah. are uh, or available. So where can people find you? Uh, social media. A website stuff like that <laughs> yeah superpurposes.com okay superpurposes.com and yeah. is, uh, is that also your name on linkedin make sure I, yeah so if you go to linkedin you can go to super julie braun and that's okay. my personal linkedin and i always connect with everybody any person who wants to connect with me i connect with them until they show me that they're not worthy of my connection so i always connect with everybody that's fair and if they come to me, if they come at me right away, people come at me sometimes right away. And they're like, here's my resume. And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. Because here's another mistake that people make. I'm just going to tell this one last thing. People make this mistake. They send a resume without ever being asked for one. Ah, uh, okay. That, that's like going into a bar. And asking every stranger at the bar, hi, do you want to marry me? Hi, stranger, you want to marry me? Hi, what about you? You want to marry me? And everybody at the bar is like, no, thank you. Same thing with your career. Never send a resume unless you were asked. Good, good to know. And this, is, this, has, been, this has been pretty great, actually. And Thank you. Uh, I've really enjoyed you. Yeah, I, it's tame as well. 
sometimes you leave me a little lost for words because of the, I'm just, my, my brain is kind of churning right now on how I can best um, pretty much explain this to the people that I know. Uh, outside of them just listening to this episode, I like having these type of conversations because I believe that there's always a resource available to fix your problem that you're having. And I believe that this is a big one, obviously, in this country, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and we, I think we all know one person that's looking for a job. We're always in between jobs. Yeah. I think we all know one person. And Anthony, I love you so much that I'm going to figure out some ways that I can help you too. I, I appreciate that. Thank I am you. super excited about you because you are extraordinary. I do a ton of podcasts, but you have, you have an ingredient that a lot of people are missing and you are incredibly likable. And there is something about asking the right questions that really needs to be in your headline, my friend. Thank well, you so much. When, when I create my LinkedIn, I'll be thinking of you, actually. <laughs> okay. So thank you. Uh, okay. I, and I have what I do have one more question. Um, it's yeah. kind of our thing here. So uh, we call it our what is your rich state of mind? But it's also what is your why? What is your passion as to why you do what you do every day with a smile on your face? Oh, I just I just love people. And. I love getting to know them and very often if I'm able to help them, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, satisfaction in that, but I also feel like probably the exchange is I get to learn things. And because I'm a lifetime learner, that feels like I'm just on this endless road and it's really I'm just really, really, really lucky. I just love what I do. It is so much fun because I get to talk with every, like every walk of life that you could imagine. And um, it's very adventurous. I think it's very, uh, it gives you perspective. I think it gives you perspective on on life, on people. Uh, Maybe some things that you might've complained about or was like, uh, then somebody unbeknownst to them, they're just, I'm telling you them your story or their story. You're like, hmm, it makes you think for a second. Like, all right, I want to peel back the onion a little bit on myself or maybe some of the things I was thinking about I was going to do or maybe just some thoughts that I had that wasn't uh, the best beneficial. Or maybe I thought it was a good idea and then somebody said something. I'm like, it doesn't sound like a good idea when somebody else says it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't listen to those people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a renegade. I just listen to my internal if people tell me, no, 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 don't do that. I'm, I'll be like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. My wife says I'm hard headed. So I try to make sure that I'm, I know I don't want to be the smartest person in the room, but there are certain things that I am very passionate about that will make me run things into the ground. So <laughs> I, she's very good, a very good destabilizer of that. Where she's like, Anthony, I love her too. Get your hands off the steering wheel, please. <laughs> it's it's time to go to the pit stop and and uh, reassess. And oh. so yeah, she's pretty good at doing that for me. You chose a good one. <laughs> you chose a good one. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And uh, this is this has been this has been great, Super Julie. I love saying your name. I love oh, saying thank it. You. I love hearing it's it. So, uh, by the way, I don't think I said it when we were recording, but the reason why I like saying it is because she legally changed her name to Super Julie. 
Uh, so that is her. It's a it's a two part first name, like Mary Ann, how she explained it to me. So it's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sticking with us from the start of the episode. Please share our show with friends and family, visit our YouTube channel, and view more of our content on richstateofmind.com. See you next week on the Rich State of Mind show.